Welcome to The Nun Report, bringing your regular dose of truth, freedom, and weirdness with your host, Dan Nunn. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of The Nun Report. Sorry I missed you yesterday, but I had some things to take care of around the house. A little bit of a large project, honeydew stuff, and I had to do it while the weather was good. Speaking of good weather, we're in the midst of a massive heat wave up here in the Northwest. It's been 90 degree, degrees, excuse me, 90 degrees, two days in a row. We're in the grasp of climate change up here, and it's an existential threat to our state and to our survivability. I don't know how we're going to make it. Hopefully, it doesn't get any warmer than 92, because then we know we're all going to melt up here in the Northwest. Look, we're used to rain and rust and clouds and that sort of thing. And when it is nice, it's in the nice mid-70s and stuff. But man, getting to the 90s up here, and people start to freak the hell out. I'm telling you, we're going to survive. One way or the other, we're going to make it. We're going to cover uh, a little bit of stuff going on with the Trump trial, but not too much, but more about Trump in general and uh, why just the person and the persona and why the rest of the field feels so uh, determined to make everything about him. It's not Trump making the campaign about him. You understand that, right? It's everybody else making the campaign about him. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at uh, the sanctimonious and how he's self-destructed with his campaign and different things. Um, the whole Trump or, you know, Trump or die crowd, you know, we're going to touch on that because I, I think it's, I, I've said it before, and I will continue to say it, is the only Trumpers in many ways are much the same as the never Trumpers. They've got their minds closed. They won't accept new ideas unless it spews from the mouth of Trump. It must not be true. So anybody else who says anything, no matter how much sense it makes, no matter who they are, that's, don't listen to it because it didn't it didn't flow out of Trump's mouth. And then they wonder why the left calls them a cult. You people who sit there and will listen to nothing else unless it comes out of Trump's mouth are the very reason that the extreme commie Democrats call Trump supporters a cult because you're acting like you're in a cult. I agree. And I'm going to vote for Trump. I support Trump. I voted for him twice. I'm going to vote for him again if he's on the ticket. But you people who just sit there and say, oh, it's Trump or die, Trump or die. You understand how crazy that sounds, right? You understand how like really uninformed and closed-minded and intolerant that sounds. I hope you do. And I hope that you... It, it, just reflect a little bit. I'm not trying to piss anybody off. Well, actually, maybe I am trying to piss a couple of people off. Maybe some people need to get pissed off. You know, the whole Trump die, Trump or die crowd, you know what? Fine, go ahead, die. Don't take the rest of us with you. If for some reason, God forbid, but for whatever reason, and it's, anything can happen, people. Anything, anything can happen. What if Trump isn't the isn't the nominee? What if Trump is not on the ballot come election day, November of 24? Are you just going to stay home and give the country up to extreme commie Democrats so they can complete their transformation of this great country into a complete totalitarian regime? Communist state? Or... Will you do what's best for America and best for the party and move on to another candidate? Because look, it's a, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not, I don't even, I'm not even saying I think it's going to happen. 
And, and, but Cernovich has brought up the same thing recently. Thankfully, he came back. You know, he jumped off the Trump train for a while, but he's come back. And one of the things he, he, he is saying is, look, what if? What if? So I would ask you to keep your minds open to other people. I like Vivek Ramaswamy. As you know, I've made no secret of that. And, uh, and I think he has some good information. He articulates it well and whatnot. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, President Biden, once again, making an idiot out of himself because he just can't say anything unless he's told to say it, unless it's pre-approved by his handlers, unless he has a script, unless he's, he's been instructed, if, if we haven't specifically told you to say something, say nothing. And that's what he's doing. Once again, I have an update on Oliver Anthony. He, he's the guy. You know, rich men over rich, rich men over Richmond. It's it's kind of a tough, say that five times fast. Took the took the world by storm. Took the country by storm with his his song, and um, just a just a country boy who's who's fighting with his own demons, and uh, turned to God. You know, great story. I'm, I've told it before. I'm not going to rehash everything that I have. But he made he does have a uh, Oliver Anthony music page on Facebook. And since he can't do long form on Twitter, he made a nice long introduction on Facebook. I would encourage you to go to his page and read the entire thing. I'm going to read just the first little bit of it because I think it's encouraging. I think it's, um, it, it just makes me love the guy even more. It makes me love his story even more and uh, definitely worth checking out. Apparently Biden has a fake email account under the pseudonym uh, Robert L. Peters. And where he was communicating with Hunter Biden's business partners under that pseudonym. And uh, it, this is, if true, the smoking gun, the thing that would absolutely tie Joe Biden to his son's business dealings. His son was going around the world collecting money. He was the bag man. And uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. But first, uh, let, me, let me jump in here real quick with a, a good, it seems like whenever there's a tragedy, and, and I think we can agree without doubt, without, without argument, right? We can, that what happened in Maui was a tragedy, um, just unimaginable, you know, hard, hard to really to grasp it when you're not there. Uh, even the videos and whatnot, I mean, it just doesn't, I don't think it really does it justice. And, unless you've been involved in a, in a massive natural disaster like that, um, it's hard to explain. This one was just so, so extreme because of the death toll, because of how quickly the fire moved. And now we're finding out because of some of the mistakes that public officials made along the way. And, um, you know, from the, from the sheriff to the, to the water management person, we're going to talk about that. But first, before we do that, tragedies, as I was starting to, to say, oftentimes will bring out the best in some. And you see good humanitarian stories that follow these natural disasters and these tragedies wherever they happen. And so there's one going on right now in Maui. This guy, um, his home was in Lanai, Lahaina, and he, uh, it didn't get burned, didn't get touched at all. In fact, he wasn't even there. He was over here in, in, on the mainland, had to make his way back to his home. His friends had told him that it was intact and whatnot. So he said, great, let's start moving supplies there. 
And the community has come around and used his home as a hub for, you know, dry goods, canned goods, uh, generators, fuel, anything and everything that you could imagine. This guy opened up his property to store, to make it a central hub for people to come and get things that they need or to donate to the cause to help others. It's pretty incredible. Uh, professional surfer and uh, also Tulsi Gabbard. I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. And Tulsi Gabbard uh, went and checked it out. Here's what they had to say about it. We'll play part of this clip. Check it out. This is good stuff. This is Uncle Archie Kalefa's, and he thought his house burnt down, but it didn't, fortunately. And he's using it as a hub. And they have probably, probably the most supplies of anyone, like generators. I think these guys are the most well equipped. Yeah, Roman. So yeah. They're also the closest to where the fires were, so. Yeah. Got all our waters out here. The coats, they set up um, uh, shower stalls over there with a uh, generator and pump. Yeah. We try to keep the, the, the gasoline separate from, you know, all the rest of everything. Yeah, for sure. Fire and all that. Is this kind of like... We try to do rounds and go to people's houses and ask what they need first, just to keep in here less cluttered. And how many families are in the area? Um, 102 homes, okay. two two burned out of the 104 in this. Yeah, yeah. And so the last count we had of people still here was uh, the, two days ago. I think it was 160 people. So um, yeah, we do dinner right? um, late at 5 p.m. Last night, we, in that, um, that sidewalk over there, we see the, the speaker stands. We had live music going. Oh, nice. yeah. Great. It, live music, too. I mean, to, to you know keep people's morale up and to give somebody and, and some of these people who have lost everything. Everything. I mean, fire is one of the things that can completely destroy a lifetime of, of memories and, and, and things, right? And... Uh, so this guy is out there providing, offered up his property as a hub. They go around, they help local residents, they help local people. They can come there, they can get food, they can get water, they can get even generators and fuel, you know, whatever whatever they need. If they have it, you know, they've opened it up. Um, this is the good in humanity. I love seeing stuff like this. I love, like, like, like Oliver Anthony, I love seeing the good in humanity, because so often all the media does, and even to a large extent, um, podcasters like myself, because we're just, we're basically taking current events and news and reporting on it. So much of it is negative and so much of it is focused on, you know, tit for tat or, uh, you know, we're right, you're wrong. And it's all very intense and, and oftentimes, unfortunately, negative. Stuff like this happens. Stuff like Oliver Anthony happens. This is God saying to man, hey, I'm still here. And uh, you get, you're going through some tough times. You've turned your back on me and you're going through some tough times. But here's a little reminder once in a while that I'm still here. All you got to come do is come, come talk to me. Come ask for me. That's it. It's that easy. That's what uh, Oliver Anthony found out. I, I alluded to his uh, page, and I, and I do want to uh, do want to get to that. But let, let's finish finish off first here with what's going on in Hawaii. So uh, it turns out, 
you know, Biden is going, finally, he's going there on Monday. He has no idea why or what he's going to say. And, and this is the proof. No, not now. I'm going to be there on Monday. Because he doesn't know even what the hell he's doing. He doesn't know where, what he's going there for. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He's just been told, you're going to go to Hawaii on Monday. So, no, I'm not going to talk about it now. And then what's up with the reporter at the end? Thank you, sir. <laughs> Good grief, man. Thank him for what? A little brown noser. It's, it's, there's nothing to thank him for, okay? Well, it turns out there's some things that have gone on. The, the Maui chief doesn't regret, regret not activating sirens during wildfire. We would not have saved those people. We would, it's good. So what if we didn't activate the emergency sirens, man? They were dead anyway. How callous and, and cold can you be? He says, had we sounded the sirens that night, we were afraid that people would have gotten Maku, uh, toward the mountains. And if that was the case, then they would have gone right into the fire, he said. I should also note that there are no sirens, uh, Maku, or in, or in the mountainside where the free spreading, uh, where the fire was spreading down. So even if we sounded the siren, we would not have saved those people on the mountainside. So since, since you, you wouldn't have been able to save those people anyway, since you already decided they were dead, since you decided there was no hope, there was no saving them, there was, you, you, you just decided not to sound off the emergency alarms that you had, the largest emergency warning system in the country? Yeah, whatever, they're dead anyway. That's a public official. And then we have other failures on the public official's part. So... There's a guy who runs the, basically controls the water on Maui. So for a lot of reasons, uh, they have a lot of droughts there. Water, is, you know, it's an island. It's surrounded by salt water. Water is a, a precious commodity there. So they take care of it. But he says that they need to have conversations about the water uh, around equity, you know, because equity is about what it's about. Anyway, during the inferno that devastated part of the island on Maui, wiping entire towns off the map and killing thousands, well, we don't, that remains to be seen. People on Maui begged state officials to allow West Maui stream water to be diverted to fill up reservoirs for firefighting. That request went to M. Kalu Manuel, Deputy Director of Hawaii's Commission on Water Resource Management, and he delayed approval for that water for five hours. Five hours! Five hours in which the once-contained fire exploded. By the time the approval was, was received, workers were unable to reach the siphon to release it so the water could be diverted. Now they're learning that Manuel, an Obama Foundation leader for the Asia-Pacific region, is a climate change activist, of course, because all of those radical twits are, and DEI devotee who said, like, we can share water, but it requires true conversations on equity. Of course, it requires conversations on equity. Here's a timeline of events around 6 p.m. Uh, we received CWRM's approval for, to divert more water. By then, we were unable to reach the siphon release to make the adjustments that would have allowed more water to fill our reservoirs. We watched the devastation unfold around us without the ability to help. We anxiously awaited the morning, knowing that we would have made more water available to MFD if our request had been immediately approved. 
Trimble's letter said it is unknown whether filling the reservoirs at 1 p.m. would have ultimately made a difference, but we know the fire spread quickly. We know that we need to act fast during an emergency. We know that the community we serve relies on the water as a defense from spreading fire, and we know that we must have water available for MFD before MFD needs it. We know we can do better. We're all in this together. Yeah. Who knows if, it, if it, having the water earlier would have made a difference. We never will know. But the fact that not everything that could have been done was done is disgusting. And this person needs to be fired. Okay? Here's the person we're talking about in his own words. This is not about the fire. This is just his statement. The commission is responsible per, per our authorizing statute to protect and manage all water resources in the state. One water is like taking it and looking at it from a holistic system perspective. And that's not dif any different than how Hawaiians traditionally manage water. You know, in, in essence, we treated it, a native Hawaiians treated water as one of the earthly manifestations of a god and a kua, kane. And so that reverence, um, for a resource and that reciprocity in relationship was was something that was really really important to our worldview and and well-being right and living in an island in isolated from other you know civilizations um and so i think where it shifted to today or over time is that we've become used to looking at water as like something which we use and not necessarily something w that we revere as that thing that gives us life, right? I mean, to me, it's a shift in value set. Um, and, you know, if we can start to really look at how we as humans in an island um, can reconnect to that traditional value set. So really my motto is always like, let water connect us and not divide us. Like we, we can share it, but it requires true conversations about equity. I guess he was having those conversations for five hours while Maui burned. The Maui Fire Department needed water. And he refused to let them have it. Because he's because I guess it wasn't spiritual enough. I guess I guess maybe putting out a fire and saving all these lives and saving entire towns and all the property. I guess that, that isn't godly, or I guess that, you know, that's not spiritual enough for you. Wow. So there's a, there's a book that came out. It's on Amazon. It's about the uh, fire and fury. It's about the whole uh, Maui thing. It, it, here's the thing about the, here's the kick. So fire and fury, the story of Maui fire and its implications for climate change, of course, is gripping an eye-opening account of one of the most devastating fires in Hawaii's history, how it reveals the urgent need to address the global climate crisis. The book chronicles events of August 8 through 11, 20. 23. The problem is the book was published and available on Amazon August 10th. So if it's chronicling the period between the 8th and the 11th, the guy must be able to see in the future or something like that. But it, it this is a total scam. It's listed as number one on Amazon right now. But man, it's a 44-page pamphlet, basically. It, it, it's not even a full-size paperback. It, it's like a you know smaller size, five by seven or, or smaller and um 
you know, like a little handout you would get at uh, uh, church on the five points of Calvinism or something like that. Anyway, um, so it's like, it's 44 pages. It's nothing, but this is a climate activist who somehow has the ability to sell on Amazon and went ahead and put this out. Dr. Miles Stones. Miles Stones. And people are falling for this. They're buying this thing for $8.99. It's available on Kindle too, if that's how you roll. But uh, if you try to find up information on Miles Stones, who's totally grifting off of the this tragedy um, about the author and, and underneath he wrote, I'd rather not say he has no picture. You can search him on the internet. You won't find him. Dr. Miles stones, somebody who should be arrested because he's totally scamming and grifting off of the tragedy and loss of life and loss of property of these people on Maui. Ah, unbelievable. Hey, let's, let's uh, dive back into some good news here. Some nice, some nice little human touch stuff. Cause I, I like this all over Anthony music, right? I love this guy even more. This is just the first few paragraphs and I am going to read them. I'm sorry if you don't like my voice, uh, but there's, there's people who listen on the podcast only they don't have videos, so they can't read this. The full transcript, by the way, of what he posted on Facebook is available on his page, all over Anthony music. If you're on Facebook, go there, like it, check him out. He tells his story and his, he gives some information on who he is and his background. It's amazing. I'm going to post the entire thing. I've, in fact, I already have. I've shared the whole thing on my page. So if you, don't, if you don't want to go to his page and like him, if you follow me on Facebook, the whole thing is there as well. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and read this. I, I think it's, it's touching. It's, it's moving. It makes me love the guy and love his story even more than I already did. He writes, It's been difficult as I browse through the 50,000 plus messages and emails I have received in the last week. The stories that have been shared paint a brutal, honest picture. Suicide, addiction, unemployment, anxiety and depression, hopelessness, and the list goes on. I'm sitting in such a weird place in my life right now. I never wanted to be a full-time musician, much less sit at the top of the iTunes charts. Draven from Radio WV and I filmed these tunes on my land with the hopes that it may hit 300,000 views. He's talking about it on YouTube because he has a YouTube channel. I still don't quite believe what has went on since we uploaded that. It's just strange to me. And now this. People in the music industry give me blank stares when I brush off $8 million offers. I don't want six tour buses, 15 tractor trailers, and a jet. I don't want to play stadium shows. I don't want to be in the spotlight. I wrote the music because I was suffering with mental health and depression. These songs have connected with millions of people on such a deep level because they're being sung by someone feeling the words in the very moment they were being sung. No editing, no agent, no bullshit. Just some idiot in his guitar. The style of music that we should have never gotten away from in the first place. You don't run across a musician. I mean, yes, they're in it for the love of the music. I'm a musician. I love to play. Um, but his, his commitment to doing it purely for the love of the music and communicating his story and his feelings and where he's at in life is, is rare. Okay. Because 
it, it's very pure. It's very pure to him. Uh, a lot of musicians, you know, it crosses over a little bit, and then man, man when Stardom hits, you know, cool, this is great. Whereas he's like, fame hit. He's being offered executives, record labels are tripping over each other to try to sign this guy. He's turning down offers for eight million dollars, and they can't believe it. But it's the same woke record companies that would cancel stuff like this. But see, they they can make money off them. They see something happening. They see what's going on and they want to make money off of him. They want to use him. But he can't be bought. I think that's cool. I think it's commendable. I think it's, it's something you don't see very much. And um, so anyway, there's the Oliver Anthony update. We're going to go ahead and move along. Um, I'm going to get back to the, to the never, or uh, excuse me, the only Trumpers. You know, and I'm going to ask you again to keep an open mind. I'm going to ask you to not discount anything just because it doesn't come out of the mouth of the almighty Trump. Don't feed in to the leftist talking points that Trump supporters are in a cult. If you refuse to listen to any other information from any other candidate or even consider any other options, if it doesn't come out of the mouth of Trump, you, you kind of are cultish. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. It, it's like, um, and, and you can you can hate me, you can unfollow me for that, man. I don't care. But uh, I call it like I see it, and and you, you need to. Uh, I hate. I don't. I don't like using that term. I, I don't like saying you need to. Um, I, I wish that people would uh, just consider the bigger picture. And that you would open your minds to information. There's a lot of great information out there. There's good stuff. The only other candidate out there in the field is that, that, that is running on an America first platform is Vivek Ramaswamy. And, and you can say whatever you want about him. I mean, there's all kinds of people saying, you know, lots of crazy things about him, none of which I have found so far to be true after doing some deep dives into the topics from the Soros thing to the, he wants to legalize hard drugs thing to the, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, uh, you know, he, he made millions in the pharmaceuticals companies, which is true, but I'm going to do a show on that. It's in a different way. Um, the latest one I got was, was, well, he's just too well-spoken. You know, it's like Obama. You, you can't, I won't even listen to him because he's just too polished. Really? Really? Because personally, I like a guy who has good ideas, America first ideas, a well-defined platform with well-defined solutions. In fact, I would go as far as to say that Vivek Ramaswamy has a more defined platform at this point in the Republican primary than any other candidate, including Trump. Now I've said it before, I plan on voting for Trump. I voted for him twice. I plan on voting for him again. But it seems foolish to me to just ignore somebody because you don't, they talked, you know, you know what I hear when someone says, oh, he's too smooth and polished of a talker, so I won't listen to him. You know what I hear? I hear, I can't understand him because he's too articulate. Consider that because that's how you come off. And uh, it's about the content. Yeah, I mean, Barack Obama, man, 
He, he is eloquent, is and was and still is an eloquent speaker. That guy can get up there behind a microphone and talk for an hour without saying a single thing of any substance whatsoever. He's a community organizer. He's a bullshitter. Okay? Vivek, that's where, that's where you need to be a little smart, where you need to exercise a little critical thought. And that the way you determine what's true and what's not is by listening. And so you have to listen to the content of what the person is saying. If you refuse to even listen to the content just because you don't like the delivery, well then, what makes you any different than the people who won't listen to Trump because they don't like the way he talks? Right? You got to listen to the content, people. Vivek Ramaswamy is extremely intelligent. He has, I prefer somebody, if they have an idea and a solution and they can communicate it in an articulate way and explain it in detail, they have a plan. If they can communicate that in an articulate manner, uh, that seems like a good thing to me. It doesn't seem like a negative. What is wrong with you people? Oh, yeah, yeah. So speaking of uh, Vivek, let's check this out. I, th I thought you said something very key in that exchange with that voter, that adults, consenting adults, Amer Americans believe in freedom. That's none of our business. I agree with you on that issue. Um, the question is, and where the controversy comes in, is people on the left, they want to indoctrinate our children. They feel that their values are superiors uh, to parental values. And I say, excuse me, teach them reading, writing, math, science, history, and computers, and then keep your personal views to yourself and let parents instill the values they cherish and believe in. Is that a fair summation of where you stand? Absolutely spot on, Sean. And the reality is kids aren't the same as adults. So if gender dysphoria is such a condition of suffering, then why on earth are we going out of our way to create even more of it by spreading this ideology through young kids in our schools? What's really happened, Sean, is we have a tyranny of the minority in this country. We used to protect against the tyranny of the majority. And so that's where the LGBT rights movement came from, is protect their rights. Well, my view is, if you're an adult, live how you want. But what we have in this country is a new tyranny of a fringe minority. And I refuse to say that that somehow changes the language we use, changes how women compete in sports, changes which bathrooms people use, and let alone change the way we indoctrinate our children. No, I stand against that kind of tyranny, and I will do it with civility. I will do it with respect for every human being. That was a self-described pansexual who confronted me with what she thought were some difficult questions, she and I disagreed. And so it's not that I look down on her as a human being, but I refuse to abide by this new tyranny of this cult. And that's what I stand for. I'm sorry for those of you that think that that's too articulate for you to understand. I'm sorry if you refuse to listen to what Vivek has to say because he's too smooth of a talker. He has an answer for everything after all, right? So it must be scripted. He must be a Soros plant. He must be, must be, must be, must be. Maybe, maybe he is what, it, what he claims to be. Maybe he should be taken at face value. Maybe 
He's just a very smart person who happens to believe in America first, the Constitution, and freedom. So before you go closing your mind, before you say, go saying, man, I'm, I'm on the Trump train or I'm going to die, consider how that make you sound. Because it doesn't, it doesn't reflect well on the conservative movement, the America First movement, or frankly, on Donald Trump. So if you support Donald Trump, as I do, if you support the America First movement, as I do, don't act like you're in a cult. Open your mind to other ideas. Open your mind to other people. Open your mind to other America First candidates. At least listen to it. Use your critical thought. Decide what you're going to take and what you're not. It's that simple, man. What other candidate out there running in the Republican field is running on an America First platform? Name one. It's not to sanctimonious. That guy is a backstabbing traitor. He has no loyalty whatsoever. That's why, that's why he's sold out to the big money. That's why he looks so awkward and horrible out there on a presidential campaign. He's paid for. He's not America first. And um, the only person I see out there with a plan, uh, as I said earlier, it's, it's like spelled out. He has, not only does he have pledges, he has a plan on how to accomplish those pledges better defined than any other candidate in the field, including Trump. So uh, why would you not listen to him? Because you don't like the way he talks. And uh, I would just, I would just encourage people. Look, if you hear something about somebody, too many people in this country live their lives on headlines and sound bites. If you hear something about, don't just take it at face value. Dig into it a little bit. It took me all about two minutes to disprove that the whole uh, George Soros and WEF, uh, he's bought and owned and paid. It's not true. Not in, it couldn't be further from the truth. It took me all about two minutes of research to figure that out. Along with some of the other uh, things that people are throwing at him. See, the more, and understand too, that the more somebody rises in the polls, the more the opposition, including the Republican opposition and their PACs, are going to go after them and plant stories and plant rumors. Now more than ever is the time to be diligent about the information that you decide to share. Because if you receive something that's false at face value and then share it at face value into your circle and your network, you've polluted the waters. You're part of the problem. Sorry. Sorry to let you know that. I try to share truth on this show. I try to dig into things before I spread them and or before I talk about them. And when I when I fail, which I do sometimes, I I own it. And I, and I say, man, I got that one wrong. And I'll tell you what, if Ramaswamy ends up to be a snake in the grass and that if everything about him that people are saying that's negative is true, which it's not, it's not a lot of people. I mean, granted, it's a small percentage of people. Um then I will eat my crow and I will come on this show and I will say that I was wrong. But until somebody can give me, and I've asked, man, hey, tell me. Tell me, show me. How is Vivek 
you know, supported by Soros? How is Vivek owned by the WEF? How is Vivek in support of hard drugs? How is uh, Vivek, um, you know, there's several things. Oh, you don't like him because he's not a Christian. Oh, really? So we had, I can tell you, we've had multiple presidents who said they were Christian, who acted nothing like a Christian. And then you have Vivek, who is a Hindu, but he's a very godly man and shares many of the same values and acknowledges that the United States of America is a Christian country. And he demonstrates a life you know, a, a godly life or, or a good life. You know, he's not, he's not a bad person. Whereas many of the others who claimed they were Christians, both Republicans and Democrats who sat in the White House were anything but in their actions, in their works. So uh, anyway, just, just don't close your mind too much. By the way, you know, an, an interesting tell for Vivek, and this is not an ad for Vivek. This is, understand what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is, whether it's Vivek Ramaswamy or anybody else, what I'm talking about is don't become so close-minded, so intolerant, so singularly focused on Trump that you're unable to accept any other information. To me, that would be foolish. And, and that people do that willingly? Why would you willingly close yourself off to receiving information? After all, that's where the truth comes from, is in the information. So you've got to absorb it, right? And what's interesting is that uh, a big tell for me is who, who is the one candidate that Trump never bashes? And there's a reason for that. See, Trump is a loyal person. And he, he recognizes, I believe, that Vivek is... is is America first person. He's honest. He's genuine. He's a very successful businessman. One could argue that he's a more successful businessman and entrepreneur than Donald Trump is. I'm sure Trump wouldn't argue that, <laughs> but on paper, you could look at it and say, wow. And he's 38 years old and what he's accomplished so far in his life is pretty amazing. Being involved in multiple, the founding and multiple companies, some buyouts and reselling. Um, so, but I think there's some respect there. And Trump has actually talked positively about Vivek and vice versa. Vivek has good things to say about Trump. He disagrees on how he handles some things, but on the important things, on the things that matter to us, I think they're, they're pretty much in agreement, man. I, I, I think it'd be cool to see Donald Trump elected president. And some have said, oh, how about a Trump-Vivek ticket? Mm, maybe, but you need to think about maybe... Vivek would have uh, more influence in policy and be more valuable in a high-level cabinet position rather than VP. Anyway, I'm going to play. Uh, I'm going to play just uh, one more video here um, from Vivek, and then I'm going to move on to uh, to something else. Here, check this out. And so what do you think about the legislation happening in places like Texas and other red states that says, sorry, it's not going to be legal to put kids through puberty blockers and double mastectomies and things like that? Do you think that that's moving in the right direction? I do. And I think it's the compassionate direction to move as well. When a kid is saying. Oh, before we continue this, I have to warn you, uh, if you if articulate speech is too much for you, if you really just can't handle it, um, you might want to tune out for now because 
because he's going to explain this and he's going to explain his position really well. He's going to uh, enunciate it well. He's going to really articulate it and communicate it well. So if that's not your thing, um, tune out here for a minute. Here you go. That their gender doesn't match their biological sex. They're going through a mental health struggle. That's a mental health condition. And the compassionate thing to do is not to affirm that confusion. That's not compassion. That is cruelty. The compassionate thing to do is actually to figure out what's going wrong in that kid's life. And the fact that that's now beyond the pale to even explore shows how far we've come as a culture. So for the same reasons that we don't let kids in any 50 state, any one of the 50 states, to get a tattoo before the age of 18, to make a permanent life-altering change to their body that they may later regret, we should not allow those children to make life-altering genital mutilation or chemical castration-based changes to their bodies either. I did meet, she testified, I think, yesterday or the day before, Chloe in person and Katie, her friend, as well, two young women who have been bold enough to share their stories of how they went through double mastectomies, in Katie's case, a hysterectomy, mm -hmm. both of them through chemical intervention, through puberty blockers, that now regret those decisions. Those young women will never be the same again. It is... So anyway, I'm sorry if that was too much for, for you folks, uh, for some of you guys to, to, to digest out there. Anyway, hey, uh, um, so check this out. I'm going to uh, look at what's going on with Trump. <laughs> These people, oh, this isn't coordinated. This isn't, oh, by the way, apparently there was a phone call from D.C. to the Georgia DA's office, get this done on Monday. And I'm still absorbing information about that. I, I, I'm a firm believer in the uh, Dan Bongino rule, which is let hot news simmer for 24 hours before you go off and make yourself look like a fool. So uh, thank you, Dan Bongino, for always espousing that. I listen to him uh, several times a week anyway, or at least the clips. Um, but anyway, that's what I'm, I'm doing on that. So, But watch for, for a story coming out that maybe there was a little bit more going on there in Georgia than you think. But check this out. So January 2nd, the Trump trial for January 6th case and uh, January 15th is the Iowa caucus. March 4th, Trump trial for Georgia case. Uh, primaries that happened, Super Tuesday, March 5th, the day before Super Tuesday, Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oakland, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia. Hmm. Next up, March 19th through 23rd, you have the primaries in Florida, Illinois, Arizona, Kansas, Ohio, and Louisiana. And on the 25th, you have the Trump trial for Alvin Bragg. May 20th, Trump document case. And there you have the final primaries in Oregon and Kentucky. So you tell me. This looks like election interference to me. This looks like an orchestrated conspiracy to tie Trump up and then particularly face focus on him during the primaries. I don't know. That's what it looks like. But, uh, you know, call me crazy. <laughs> A lot of people do. So, uh, you know, join the club. Hey, uh, I got one more little clip here. I know I said I was, I was on the last of clip, but this one was good. I did a little short on it yesterday. It, this came up after my show yesterday. And this is just, this is so beyond pale. It, it's like, um, I don't even know what to say. I mean, this this Fox News, he just gets owned. Check it out. Say, yes, these prosecutions are wrong. But um, I, I, I can understand that. But there are 91 criminal charges in all, Vivek, as you're aware, 
over four criminal cases. They, they can't all be politicized, can they? I mean, there's something that the former president must have done in any one of these that struck you as wrong, if not illegal. I think, Neil, just because the government has brought a case, if we're going to be a culture that now starts to say there must be something wrong, if the government has charged 91 counts, I think that's a, gov that's a people of sheep. And when the people behave like sheep, that breeds a government of war. <laughs> just owned him. Bam. How, how do you tell someone they're a useful idiot without telling them they're a useful idiot? Vivek just slammed down. He's trying to say that, well, you know, Trump is charged with all these crimes. I mean, there's so many of them. It must be true. Oh, okay. So that's our new standard. So if if you're charged with 100 crimes or 200 crimes or 300 crimes, certainly since the federal government made these claims, at least one of them must be true. <laughs> and Vivek says, man, you are dumb, dumb, dumb. And he said it without saying that. Oh, that must be that intelligence thing again. He's very good at articulating and communicating. Hmm. Sorry if that went over your head. Hey, uh, thanks for tuning in today. If you've just been listening on uh, one of the podcast channels or renegaderadio.com, make sure to check me out at rumble.com slash the nun report. Go ahead and subscribe there, please. I'd appreciate it. And give me a little rumble. That's the thumbs up like. It's free. None of it costs anything, Okay. You can catch me on all the socials at The Nun Report, except TikTok, because I don't do that commie BS, and Twitter, because I couldn't get the. So it's just at The Nun Report there, or just go to my website, thenunreport.com. One stop, one shop. It's really easy to punch in anywhere. Bam, done. Anyway, hey, thanks again for watching. And as always, until next time, may the odds be ever in your favor. Cheers.